Well, a very warm welcome to our latest generation podcast. For those of you who are watching in video, an apology. Uh, I, I've broken all the rules. I should not have worn a blue jumper against a blue chair. So all you arty continuity people, please relax. This is just uh, a generation podcast. We are not hyper-professional. But my lack of professionalism has uh, been made up by our guest today. Our guest today is Sashko Nezamudinov. Uh, I'm not sure if I've pronounced that correctly. Sasko, very warm welcome to Generation. Uh, thank you for having me. Hello. Great. Now, Sasko, can you just tell our, our listeners, many of them will know who you are, others won't, just tell us what you're doing just now. Right. So, um, um, I am a minister in training, Presbyterian minister in training, hopefully for the last just a couple of months, just, just graduated from seminary, got my MDiv, and uh, I'm about to take ordination exams. Uh, I was born in the uh, western part of Ukraine, a former Polish territory. And in 1988, back when it was still um, Soviet Union, and um, for the last 12 years I've lived in Poland and I've worked with... Um, uh, an organization called European Christian Mission. And uh, for the last um, six years, I've been involved in the uh, church planting process, uh, working on setting up the first Presbyterian church in the history of beautiful city of Krakow. That's, that's a great story. I mean, you're, you're quite young. Can you tell us a little bit what brought you to this point it's a kind of unusual church planting methodology how an unordained young novice ends up as the senior church planter in a city of Krakow and starting from virtually nothing mm. just give us a, a story of how you came to be in Krakow yeah so uh when I moved to Poland um and I Poland and I, we have a, a very special <laughs> relationship because we um, I used to spend here an awful lot of time when I was uh, a child. Uh, so I've always spoken the language and always have been bilingual. And um, when I went to Bible college uh, in Ukraine after my um, high school, I um, during the missiology course, <laughs> uh, I, I started thinking more about being involved in cross-cultural missions. Uh, and um, and I was for for a while. I was I was looking at the former Yugos, um, Yugoslavia, the Baltic countries. Uh, sorry, not Baltic, Balkan. Um, and um, nothing nothing was um, somehow all the doors for that <clears throat> were closed. <clears throat> and then um, then I came across some of the statistics of the, the situation of the Protestant church in, in Poland and just started thinking about that and started comparing that to the Ukrainian statistics and um, the, the difference was just vast. And, and uh, I started thinking about Poland, which has always been second home. I started thinking about Poland as a, as a potential mission field. And that's when things got different for me and changed and I and I felt the calling to uh, work in Poland as a as a missionary so that's how it started and then um, I started in a small town in Poland with a with an, uh, a couple that um, had been there 
working with my uh, mission organization for a really long time. I started with them, uh, worked there for three years, and then um, moved to Krakow because I felt called to urban ministries. And uh, that's um, that was that would have been my experience from um, my time in, in Ukraine. And um, Krakow just seemed to be a good fit because it had very few churches. It, it's a, it's the center of Catholicism in, in, in Poland. And uh, um, I already knew people here. I knew about the need and I had friends here that uh, had, were like-minded and uh, similarly like myself thought that Krakow needed a good sound church. Okay, so day one, what did you do? Oh, I don't even know if there is a day one. It, it, it was a period of time. Well, maybe there is one. Day like one would have, if there is a sorry? Did you do like pre-plan before you did your first public service, worship service? What yes. Well, I suppose it all started with uh, actually with city to city. Uh, there was a um, couple that came that works for city to city, Redeemer city to city, and they came to Krakow and they were looking for. They were trying to identify um, some church planting work that uh, city to city could maybe help with. Um, and I met with that couple. Um, and just started talking about what the church in Poland should look like, what the church for Krakow should look like. And I'm describing the whole philosophy of ministry and strategy and, and, and even worship, you know, and, um, uh, and they are asking me this question, why, why don't you lead um, a church plant? Why, do, why don't you start? Were you at that point? I was, I must have been, I'm 33 now, seven years ago, 25, 26. So, um, and, and they, and I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm too young. I'm like, I'm, I'm lacking training. I'm, uh, I, I can do this. I would love to join somebody. I would love to join a team that's already doing this. Um, and, but, but I'm not taking this responsibility, huge responsibility. Um, but somehow, over the next <clears throat> couple of months, the whole fear of failing, I suppose, just disappeared. And um, I started talking to friends about this. And um, it, suddenly, a team of 10 people um, were there that were saying, okay, we, we, we want to do this with you. Let's, uh, we would love to help you. Um, so that was, that was a sign for me. And, um, for Polish, for the Polish context, for the Polish reality, 10 people is your core group. <laughs> That's as good as it's going to get. It's a mega church. And you yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, that's how it felt. And, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in the UK and in Scotland, we'd be okay. You know, a core groups typically 10 to 15 people. Um, Okay, can you tell us a little bit about Poland? I think a lot of the listeners will be very interested in the spiritual condition of Poland. I've been there, I've been in your church. Um, is it secular? Is it, is it Catholic? Is it materialistic? 
How how has it been as it's emerged out of communism? Yeah, it's it's a very unique period of time. I, I don't think Poland has ever had anything like this. Mm, so naturally, you know, historically, it's been a very Catholic country um, where everybody you know, was Catholic. We had a, a very interesting um, period in the 16th century when the reformed movement was uh, growing and it was massive, um, mainly due to the fact that the noblemen wanted to move away from the Catholic Church and its influence um, and, and its power. Um, so they were they were planting and setting up reformed uh, churches because that's that's where they immediately would become elders, and and now it's them in charge. So um, there were hundreds just in our area here in southern Poland. There were uh, there was at least over two hundred reformed churches in, in the sixteenth century. Now we are the only one in the radius of two hundred miles. Um, and um, and then Counter Reformation undid everything uh, clearly. And um, during during communism, the, the Catholic Church was viewed as this big hero because it was against the regime. It was against communism, uh, and it's, it was the church where all the national values um, and where that whole Polishness was being cultivated and, and, and celebrated and passed on from generation to generation. And then um, the new times have, have come uh, after communism. Um, a new generation came around that doesn't remember the Catholic Church as the big hero and a new generation that's that was raised on Hollywood films and is now being raised by Netflix and the like. Uh, so um, the religion is now and, and the Catholic Church is viewed as something terrible, something something bad. And what the leftist media are doing is they are um, they, they would never waste an opportunity to highlight another you know yet another scandal in the Catholic Church. Um, because um, for them, that just shows any any church in, in the bad light, and that's it's part of their agenda, that's what they're doing. So at the minute, the society is extremely polarized. You have an, uh, the older generation that's still Catholic, devout. Uh, they know why they're Catholic. They would know their, uh, oftentimes, they would know their doctrines and beliefs, and they know why they believe that. Oftentimes, obviously, there's just a lot of, you know, cultural Christianity, cultural Catholicism. But then the younger generation is uh, super secular and, and it's getting more and more secular with every day. And um, the society is just splitting. And I think the last presidential elections um, have shown that in Poland, where our, our current president won uh, with like 51%. And he's, he represents the, the right-wing conservative government that backs up obviously the Catholic church. And um, um, so yeah, we're in a very interesting position. And now the Catholic church still has this big influence. Um, I'm sure Poland has been on the, even on the British news uh, about making uh, abortion laws stricter. Probably we're the only country in the EU that does that. Um, and that causes a lot of riots. Um, and again, among young people during the worst of the pandemic last last autumn um 
people just thousands of people were in the streets protesting against the new abortion laws because they um, don't agree with them. Um, and um, the law only stated um, what our constitution states at the minute. If, if there is, if somebody is um, disabled, you should not be um, discriminating him or her just based on that fact. So if you know that the, the unborn child in, in mother's womb is disabled, you'll, you know that before the birth, you should not be discriminating that child uh, simply based on that fact. So the, 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 the court only, um, uh, the constitutional court only repeated what's already said in the, in the uh, constitution. And that caused massive, massive riots. And, and the, it's the Catholic Church that's viewed as the, the reason and the, the, the drive behind all of, all of these changes. Because obviously it's, it goes well with, with the Catholic beliefs and practices. And, um, and, and people just view the Catholic Church as this big, evil monster. And a lot of that falls on us Protestants as well, because a lot of people just uh, write off religion, any kind of religion um, and any kind of faith and, and even just belief in God. So, um, but there's, there's also a percentage of people that are um, interested in alternative churches and now start looking for um, Protestant churches. We, we've had a few people, uh, we have a few people who joined because of that. We have, uh, and we constantly have uh, people visiting our services, trying to see what we are like, what we're about. And uh, we have a lot of people that hope that we are liberal and that we are not like the Catholic church. And they, they come in, they sit through the service, they hear the sermon, they never come back. So there's a lot of that. Can I talk a little bit about how you engage with people? I'm especially interested in, given that there's a, you know, a background Roman Catholic population, you know, I've been at you, your service, and what, what approach would you take? On the one hand, you could go, you could have elements in the service that Catholics would not be uncomfortable with. So, the, the clergy could have a, a clerical collar. Um, you could have a, a degree of, of liturgy, uh, you know, one or two candles, uh, you know, around the side. So that's one approach. The other approach is no, we're we're just going to go totally, you know, we're we're going to wear flip flops, a Hawaiian shirt, shorts, um, you know, just non-Catholic. Tell me a little bit about your thinking. What approach you would take? I did a lot of that thinking uh, before we launched our, our very first uh, service because we had to we had to make these decisions. We had to decide, okay, what kind of church are we going to be uh, when it comes to to Sunday worship? And uh, uh, oh, where do I start? Um, so there is already a, um, a bigger group of Christians in Poland that are doing the whole. Hawaiian shirts and, and shorts during the service. Uh, most evangelical churches would be like that. And I can't say that it's somehow attracting people. Maybe maybe certain percentage of um, Catholics that are so tired of the, you know, the strict and orchestrated liturgy that the Catholic Church would have, they just flee from that and they flee to this other extreme where the, the worship service is completely spontaneous, not planned even. Um, and, <clears throat> um, 
maybe to some people uh, it, it's appealing. I, uh, at the time, before we started, I noticed that the, the Lutheran church in Poland was uh, receive, receiving quite a few uh, converts. Um, and I think that number is only growing. Um, I, I, there are different kinds of Lutheran churches in the country. Again, the whole spectrum from conservative sound to, theologically to um, extremely liberal, um, which was the case of the, our Krakow congregation here. And um, the, the Lutheran congregation, I mean, and um, and, and I, I noticed that for a lot of Catholics, that transition from Catholicism to a high um, Lutheran church is easier to make because of certain liturgical elements that are present there. So that was part of our thinking, part of our um design or uh, development of, of our liturgy. Um, so we, we thought that it, we would decrease the gap between um, Catholics. And again, if uh, even if people are not religious in Poland, they still have a certain idea of what uh, worship should look like. And the only idea that they have comes from the, um, the Catholic Church, because that's all they've seen. There are very few uh, Protestant churches. An average Pole has never been to a Protestant worship service anyway. So all they know is this is the Catholic Mass. Um, <clears throat> so we thought that for us, the best way to, to, to go would be um, going back to our Reformed historic worship that did have liturgical elements, things like you recite the creed every Sunday. Uh, there is a confession of, of sins. And the, uh, the absolution read every um, every service. There is a responsive psalm being read. Um, there is uh, yeah, there are other responsive elements. The, the Lord's prayer is being recited. These things are something that an average Catholic already knows and um, could identify with, and they are something. Um, and it's something that's historically reformed. For us, and it's something that's I, I think is, is sound and right to do in worship. So um, that's the approach we took. So we are slightly more liturgical, probably than an average um, Presbyterian church in the, in the UK, I would imagine. Um, and um, it's it's interesting when the um, um, when evangelicals come and visit our service. Uh, they they sit through the service and they, and they approach me after the service and they say, this is so stiff. This is so boring. This is so, this is Catholic. This is basically Catholic. And then a Catholic comes in for the first time, sits through the service and, and, and comes, comes to me after the service and goes, wow, this is so different from what I'm used to. This is so different from our Catholic mass. There's, there's humor during the service. There is uh, this freedom and uh, spontaneous things. We never have that in our, in our church. So it depends on your, on your perspective. Evangelicals don't like um, our approach because, um, as I said, they are, at least evangelicals in Poland, they are a reaction. The reason they are evangelicals is because they reacted um, oftentimes to, to the Catholic Church. Maybe I'm just simplifying it. Yeah. I'm simplifying uh, it. But... Really, a really interesting terminology there. I find it fascinating. You know, you spoke about um, Catholics, evangelicals, and Presbyterians. 
That's yeah. really interesting. So would you tend to use Presbyterian as a category to differentiate from evangelical? And tell me a little bit, what, what is evangelical as a brand in Poland? Is it? Yeah, is yeah. well, yeah, very interesting and funny you should ask that because it's it's a bit easier in Polish because there are actually two uh, words for evangelical. And uh, I'll just say them to you in Polish, okay? And and, and I'll explain the difference uh, after that. So the first one is evangelicki, and the, the other one is evangeliczny. So the ending is a little bit different. The first one is uh, mainline Protestant denominations. And there are three, historically, it's been three uh, churches in the country, um, Lutherans, the Reformed, and Methodists. So all the baby baptizing denominations and that's the term that we would use to uh, when we describe ourselves and that's the, the official name in the in our church that's how we registered as well as presbyterians so we've we've added the fourth um branch there and then all the other groups um neo protestant or the way you would understand them in as you as you say in english evangelical all the all the denominations that came later baptists uh, or uh, Pentecostals, Charismatics, that's that's the other word that we use. And it is a brand, kind of, in Poland. It's I mean, it's so small that it's 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 invisible. But obviously, there's it's a movement. It has a few dozen thousand people in it. So um, it, it, it did create its own style uh, and brand. But that's the brand that we're trying to stay away from because it's just, uh, it's usually very shallow theologically, and uh, culturally, oftentimes even inappropriate. But yeah, um, yeah, I think that's fascinating. You know, I have friends, for example, in Latin America, and they're they would be unhappy with the term evangelical. You know, Presbyterian bizarrely carries a lot more weight. Whereas I, I guess in, in Scotland, folk are largely uh, ignorant about it. So I think I think the perception of what an evangelical is, especially in a post-Trump era. Is really you know complex, yeah. and it's a if I can keep using this phrase brand that, that we've really yeah. got to be careful about in using. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing that fascinates me is how would you engage an, an average poll with a gospel conversation? I mean, I one thing that sticks in my mind is that you and I were in an Uber in Edinburgh, and you'll remember this: uh, the driver was Polish. He was from Krakow. I was in front. You're in the back, <clears throat> and I'm asking all these questions. Oh, wow, where you know what do you do? Where do you come from? Where do you study? Uh, all, all this stuff, and you were in the back, silent. And I'm thinking, this guy's rude. This guy's from Krakow, and he's not engaging. So the Scottish way is question, question, question. The Polish way is not. So I'm I'm thinking. Number one, tell me, what does that say about your culture? And how do you engage folk in a culture that just doesn't like questions? Yeah, see, cultures are funny. Because if, if anyone was being rude in that taxi, it was it was you. <laughs> because... <laughs> no, I'm a Scottish no, no, It's fine. I'm sure the taxi driver is used to the uh, the culture that he's he's living in. But uh, that's not how he... Um, and, and you remember, he wasn't answering back he would only give you short answers and he would never ask you a question back uh and he would just stop talking as soon as he was done with his answer um 
it's just I, I don't know where it comes from. Uh, it's not easy. It doesn't help in church planting, but we there, there's um, there's no such thing as small talk really um, in, uh, in 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 the in this. It's not just Polish culture; it's Slavic, Eastern European cultures. You don't engage in conversations um, with people you don't know. Maybe it's uh, partly due to the communism, our communist past, where you couldn't trust people and you didn't know who you're actually talking to, so you had to be careful with what you're saying. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't help. Um, my wife and I, we um, six months ago, we moved into um, a new, a brand new uh, block of flats. We finally were able to get more, get a mortgage last year, so we uh, renovated it and we we moved in. Um, six months later, we are uh, Anya made some made a cake or something or uh, biscuits. I can't remember what it was, and uh, it was just a few Sundays ago. And after church, we knocked on our neighbor's door. Uh, uh, and I was, uh, I knew that a few days earlier, he had uh, picked up a, a parcel for me that the courier brought and uh, I wasn't at home. So I asked the courier to try leaving it with the, uh, with the neighbors and he, he did. So I went, I went to go, you know, to go pick up my books, but also to say hello and introduce myself because six months later, now they, in, in fairness, they did move in later than, than, than us. But um, so we were doing this Hollywood thing. Or maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe you do that in in, in uh, Britain. I'm not sure. We're standing with this plate in front of in front of the door. The guy opens the door. Already is holding my package in his hands. Hands that to me. And Anya, my wife, she's she's trying to offer him uh, a cake, and she says, you know, well, we just wanted to meet you because you are our neighbors. Hello, and uh, and the guy goes, yeah, hi. Well, but no, no need for no, no need for the cake. It's okay. Seriously, we we offered it a few times. He refused. He didn't take the cake. He did not invite us in. Anya Anya goes. Uh, maybe we should. Uh, I hope they're. I hope my neighbors are not listening to this. But anyway, um, Anya says maybe one time you could come over to our place for a coffee, and he goes. Yeah, sure, maybe. <laughs> and we just we just got back home with with that plate in our hands and, you know, he could have taken it, bend it and just returned the plate. But yeah. So these things, uh, it, it takes time to build trust. It, um, um, it doesn't come, it doesn't come easy. Um, people are very careful with their relationships with whom they let into their inner circle of friends. Um, and um, it's very hard to break through that. But once you do, uh, Things things get better. Yeah, I'll have to take you in a taxi drive in in the city of Glasgow, and yeah, you know the driver will have your life story by the end of the taxi <laughs> run. You know, that's I, just... I'd much rather work with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us how how the church is going. What are your encouragements? What are your joys, and what are your challenges? Yeah, it's. It's a very unique time uh, for us. Um, our uh, attendance over the pandemic has tripled, and um, wow. it, it tripled. It's the opposite. Are you online, of... by the way, or are you physical? Sorry, are you online just now, or have you gone back to person to person? No, no, we only were online for like six weeks, uh, six Sundays, I think, when it first started. Uh, spring. When did it start? Spring two thousand. 
2020, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when nobody knew what this was, and when the police cars were, you know, driving around the city telling everybody to stay at home. So we, we did that. But again, see, this is where it's great to have um, to have such a strong and influential Catholic church in the country because they were <laughs> they were pushing the government to reopen places of worship. And churches were, I think churches were reopened before shopping centers, shopping, shopping malls were. So, um, and we, we benefited from that. So we only had like a six, um, six week break where we were online for a while. We had, uh, when the restrictions got worse, um, not this Christmas, but Christmas of 2021 for, I think for almost half a year, we went with two services actually, uh, because, uh, because of the limits and regulations that uh, that we have, which wasn't helpful because you're um, you have from between ten and fifteen people on each service, and it just doesn't help in in building your congregation and your your fellowship, uh, especially if you're 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 trying to to plant the church to start. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what it is, um, but we we have quite a few of um, the church consists mainly of young uh, families, young professionals. Uh, for a really long period period of time, I was the oldest person in the church, being thirty two or th- thirty three. Uh, thankfully, that's not the case anymore. Um, but it's uh, it's a lot of people that have graduated, uh, just graduated, or um, are maybe still in college, and people that have just started families. Um, just got married or just had babies uh, for uh, until <clears throat> until the, the the first lockdowns. We were a group of just young adults with no children, and then the first children were born uh, during the first lockdowns. Actually, so uh, that's when we moved our services from the evening time uh, because for for a number of years we were meeting in a Methodist church on Sunday uh, evenings. We moved to uh, we rented a place. Where, where I'm at at the minute, and we moved our worship services here, and we uh, we have like a ministry center that's open uh, during the week. Um, anybody can drop in. We have a library that you can use, um, and um, yeah, we moved our worship services to mornings because we knew that as soon as ch- the first children come, we will we will have to do that. And um, yeah, the Lord has been bringing more people, and. Um, and it's it seems to be i think we are already out uh, we've already outgrown the place where we are meeting at the minutes we'll be soon looking for another meeting space for our sundays and are we talking here about 30 40 people now we're talking 30 35 people yeah i mean when i was with you i think it was maybe 15 people um so that's yeah then it dropped and then for 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 a while and then uh and now we're i would say we're uh between 30 and 35 on a sunday that's good now i think over here in scotland we're really interested in the ukrainian situation you're obviously a ukrainian native there's a real connection between poland and ukraine um tell us what what, what the atmosphere is like are folk edgy frightened uh, is this impacting kind of spiritual temperature yeah, um, so uh, it's it's very interesting because um, I see more panic on the Western side than uh, on the on the Ukrainian side. One thing to remember here is that um, Ukraine has been at war with Russia from at least 2014, I think, from from the time when Russia just annexed Crimea, uh, and. Um, 
when you have the history that you do and when you have uh, Russia as your next door neighbor, you're kind of used to these things. <laughs> and yes, it's a, it's a constant threat. You, you live under a constant bully. You never know what to expect. And over the time, you just, you just get used to, to, to kind of that thought and, to, and you get used to living with this idea. Um, and, uh, and I can, I can, I can see that uh, the West is, uh, uh, more anxious than the Ukrainians. And even some of my Ukrainian friends that are living like 20 kilometers away from the, the Russian border, there's a big, um, Presbyterian church in Kharkov, uh, right on the, the largest city in Eastern Ukraine, uh, very close to the Russian border, um, they just carry on with uh, with the ministry, with with the work, and with life. And uh, I, I did hear some ideas that people were people that live in eastern Ukraine. They were saying that as soon as it starts, we're going to move to western Ukraine. There were rumors of American embassy being moved from Kiev to Lviv uh, to to western Ukraine. Um, but certainly, the uh, the fact that all the um, embassy and non essential workers uh, were advised to leave that doesn't help. Um, and it only creates more and more panic. Um, there is there is really no way of knowing what's what's going to happen because everything is in one person's head, and it's going to be a one man decision. And it's possible that not even his you know closest circles um, know what 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 he's plotting. So we just uh, we're just praying for for peace and praying for for this not to affect um, for this not to start and not 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 to affect the the innocent lives of civil um, peaceful people. Now our listeners again will be really interested to hear more about the church. Can you tell us the name of your church? Folk who want to Google it. Sure, it's called Christ the Savior Presbyterian Church. And if we we'll Google that, they will get to you. Yeah. Sure. Our, our web our website is bilingual. It's in Polish and in English, so uh, you should be able to do that. Our worship services are also bilingual. Um, so um, if if people visit from Scotland, you can you can come and join us for worship on Sunday. Yeah, and I guess you're not self-supporting yet financially, so uh, you are open to contributions. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, we are. That's that's the goal, and that's where we're we're going. But we're not there yet. Okay. Before we go, tell me a little bit about another little ministry you've got. You're doing some publishing. Just mm -hmm. give us a, an update where that's going. Sure. That's uh, publishing ministry is something that we started five years ago, and it's uh, certainly the ministry that has surprised me the most. Uh, I think part of our growth is actually due to our to our publishing, due to the fact that we are publishing the authors that we publish. Um, we've done over 20 titles now, and we are working on at least another 20. Uh, some of the authors that we have translated into Polish uh, are R.C. Sproul, uh, Timothy Keller, Kevin DeYoung, um, and we are also translating... Um, um, Calvin's Institutes at the minute. Um, book one and two are about to um, to go out and to be to be printed. We need just maybe a few few more weeks um, to, to just make sure that there's no no typos and, and the book is ready for for printing. Um, and we also have uh, big ambitions. We want to produce the first um, 
study Bible in uh, in Polish. Um, and that's something that uh, we are still working on. We are looking at different options. Um, and uh, But it's, pro it's probably too early to be uh, saying anything about what this. Is, I mean, we talk about this all the time in cross-cultural mission. It's great for you to have translations of Sproul, Kell, and all that stuff. We know we've hit the sweet spot when you guys start writing your own stuff. Absolutely. Is there evidence of that? There, not yet, but there, uh, there, there are prospects uh, of, of that. There's hope for that. There are names. There are people that uh, we are already even kind of trying to encourage. A few of them are, uh, you know, still working on their PhDs or uh, are busy with their. Um, Maybe another degree, yeah, yet another degree that they are getting. But it's uh, it's certainly something that we would we would love to um, to do because uh, I, I understand it. It should be if, if we continue translating foreign things, the the ideas uh, in in the books that we will publish will remain foreign to the people we are trying to reach. So that's that's certainly not the. I guess you're still a quite a young church yet, so but you're you're praying for your own theologians, your own seminaries. Um, do you have a seminary in, in Poland at the moment? No, uh, that's another thing we are praying for, and actually something that we've started talking to the Reformed uh, Church about. In fact, it was the Reformed Church of Poland that approached us about this. Uh, there are good models for this. We've seen that in Ukraine, for example, where the Presbyterians and the Reformed are uh, have one seminary that trains ministers for both denominations and um uh, that's something that we we hope to do uh, at the minute uh, if everybody has to go and study abroad i studied in kiev um or another uh, another thing you could do and that's what uh, the reformed ministers have been doing you would go through the lutheran college in warsaw and then um then you could be ordained maybe you take extra courses or um, on reformed theology, um, but we would we would love to have our own training course in our own seminary. Sashko, uh, we'll come to the end of our time. That's been fascinating. I do hope our listeners will Google the church. Will take a real interest in Poland. Um, we'll pray for Poland. It is not a long way away. You okay. can get a really cheap flight. Go to Krakow. Uh, watch out for the trumpeter every day. Uh, have a coffee in a lovely square. It's just a, a absolutely beautiful city, and I, I would recommend that. Sashko, thank you for giving us your time today, and we wish you every blessing. Thank you so much, David. And generation listeners, thank you for staying with us. Uh, keep on our podcast, keep listening, tell other people about it. We hope to invest a little bit in some decent recording equipment to make this even more special. Um, we'll be giving you more details hopefully in the next few months. We'd like to maybe raise two, three thousand pounds just to do that. The listenership, the audience is growing and we want to be a good resource. Uh, Generation podcast, it's the missional podcast from Scotland with a kind of Scottish accent and perspective but with a worldwide interest in vision. Thank you for being with us today, and wherever you are, uh, have a great day. Mm -hmm.